Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Man, every every time I hear like the number of 59 people got, you know, received new life last week, it blows my mind because it's so cool. So I feel like we need to just uh, just celebrate them, celebrate that, man, 59 people got crowned. Did you see what I did there? There you go. See where we're going with this? They got crowned last week, and, and it's something that, man, we should never... Never, like, take that for granted. It is so cool just to to be able to think, like, wow, like 59 people went from death to life. So I love to celebrate Jesus. So for those of you that might be joining us um, new, my name's Jeremy. I serve as the Dream Team Pastor. So if you're asking what the Dream Team might be, it is this awesome team of volunteers that served you when you drove in. They were parking you, waving at you. If you got coffee, they served you coffee. They make lights flash and do all this fun stuff. So could you take a second, just give it up for our dream team, man. So it's a selfless plug because it's what I I do here on the team, but they give me a microphone so I get to do it. So if you're interested in joining the dream team, and you should be because save people, serve people, right? Then you should jump in at 11 o'clock in Next Steps. Uh, You can stay afterwards, go in. It'll be a good time. Next Steps, we kind of teach you a little bit about our church, a little bit about how to serve and what serving looks like here at Bethesda. And I promise you, our team will be so much better with you on it. So you should go jump jump in today, all right? So now that we got my shameless plug over, um, today I'm super honored that I get to close out Crowned. Um, and I mean that because this is something I'm crazy passionate about. I love um, talking about us stepping into our authority and our identity. It's... Um, it's something that I feel like the church struggles with, and I loved over the past couple of weeks what Pastor Chad has said. So let's jump into it. So crown is um, a crown is a symbol of power and authority, right? It's something that um, when you see it, you get everybody kind of goes oohs and ahs, right? Do you know what I mean? Like um, prom season, all the people getting crowned with their little plastic crowns, right? We kind of look at it, and it's like, oh, it's so pretty. We went to Disney this past week, and we walked in this show, and they had like these big, very expensive crowns uh, in this Disney. Play and, and you just kind of stop because you're just like, you're like, oh, like it's, you know, it kind of takes you because it's so powerful. And so um, for thousands of years, we have crowned people as kings and queens to rule over. So in the kingdom of God, though, there is a tension to the crown. That's why we kind of come up with this series. And so the tension is that that we love um, the Savior, Jesus, right? We love the crown of thorns. And it's such a beautiful picture because we should have worn the crown of thorns, but Jesus traded it out. He said, I'll take the, the crown of thorns and give you the majestic one. You get the pretty one, right? I'll switch your place. And it's such a, a beautiful moment, a beautiful story. But sometimes we struggle when it's switched to put that crown on, the, the majestic crown, the pretty crown, and kind of let him lord our life. So we're going to kind of talk about that today. But the goal of the series um, is to help you see that Jesus is, in fact, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? That's in the Bible. It's not up for debate, right? You can clap for that. If you're going to clap, let's clap like he really is. Um, 
it's fact, it's not going to change. He truly is. And, and uh, the Bible tells us that at the end, everyone will bow their knee and tell him that. Amen. So it's not up for debate. But what we kind of struggle with is that some of us don't know that you've been crowned. And so Pastor Chad said something um, at the beginning. He said it both weeks, but at the beginning of the series that kind of struck me. And I took notes, and I kind of just can't get it out of my head. So I was like, let's, let's kind of jump off of that. So he said crowned, the Hebrew word is a tar. Everybody say Atar. Good look at you guys. Been in church five minutes already speaking Hebrew. You are so awesome. But Atar means surround. So the crown is not necessarily a crown that you put on your head, but it's a surrounding, right? So I loved it. That's why I had you celebrate Jesus as Kendallin as she was leaving worship to us to do, because I promise you, if two minutes of Jesus surrounding us is enough, right? I could talk to you for two hours, but he can do more in two seconds than I can do if I talk to you for two days here. So we have to have this surrounding um, that where God says that, we're kings, right? We get surrounded by him. And he tells us that we are kings. We're not man-appointed kings, but we're God-appointed kings. And I would much rather have that than any man giving me a piece of plastic, right? But as we talk about that, I need you to understand today that you are royalty, that you are kings and you are priests. And that's what he called us to do. So today I'm going to call this, We Are Royals. We're going to end this. I want you to high five your neighbor, fist bump and tell him, we are royals. That was terrible. You sound pitiful. Say it louder so the crowd mics pick it up, like so the online family can see us. There you are. Now you're in the building. Get the coffee in you. So let's talk about let's talk about this for a minute. So you can't talk about being crowned and, and being a king without talking about a kingdom. So we are kings in God's kingdom. And with that being said, his kingdom's not of this world, right? So what a kingdom does is that they take territory, so we have to talk about battles. And so today, I kind of want us to get a little bit involved because how many of you, let's say you're going through a battle? Raise your hand, just me? Yeah, because if you're not going through a battle, eventually you will be, right? You're prepping for one. And so that's what kind of happens. Some of you might be battling for your marriage, or it may just not be as strong as it was. Some of you, your kids have gone crazy, right? You're like, I, they're not living the way I brought them up to. It's it's a thing. I've been there. Um, or some of you, it might be finances. Everybody's like, oh, the financial thing, right? So whatever the battle is, we, it seems like we are, we are constantly or or not constantly, but we go through many battles. So battlefields, battlefields are a part of territory in the kingdom. So today I kind of want us to talk about that. But I also want us to talk about Easter. Like we're the week after Easter. So what was happening after the resurrection? So what was um, taking place in the Old Testament after Passover, right, which is our Easter? And so in the Old Testament, we've kind of learned, and I think Pastor Chad's referenced it a couple of times, that um, what happens physically in the Old Testament happens spiritually in the New Testament, right? So I've always heard it said like this. There's two parts to the Bible. There's the physical and the spiritual. You kind of can't have one without the other. So with that being said, after the resurrection, God continually revealed himself to the Israelites and to his disciples, right? If you've read the Bible and you know the story, he began to um, reveal himself. And some of them, it took them a while to figure out it was him because he was beaten so badly he was unrecognizable, right? So he continued, though, to 
reveal himself, and he still does that today to us. And so I want to kind of share a little bit of a story with you from the Bible, and it's one of my favorites where we talk about um, when God called the Israelites to leave Egypt. And so this is a powerful story. And so after spending 430 years in bondage in Egypt, the Israelites knew God, but they they only knew who he was. He was just a, a, a storybook God, right? He was just somebody in the pages of a book they read because they had the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. And so they had that to reference, but they didn't get to experience him or encounter God very much as slaves in Egypt. So so this was just something foreign to them. He was just a name in a book. It wasn't real to them. So God had to spend years after Passover and what we call Easter, revealing himself to, uh, to, the, to the disciples and to the Israelites. But he wanted to take it deeper. He began to reveal his nature to them. He wanted them to take it personally, to make it something that, um, not that they just experienced, but someone that they encountered. He wanted it to be deep. And so how does that apply to us today? So you might be sitting here like prior to salvation, God may have just been like a story to you, right? That maybe grandparents had talked about him, co-workers had kind of talked about the Lord and all that. He was just something that you heard about. And we're from the Bible Belt, y'all. See how I threw the y'all in. Um, so <laughs> it's like basically here everyone's heard of Jesus, right? Well, I used to think that, but now I'm kind of learning that not so much nowadays, like back whenever I was younger, like basically when the, when you were born, the pediatrician smacked your butt and told you about Jesus, right? It was like a given. Like you knew, you at least like had an awareness of Jesus and church and reverence him. But nowadays it's like people are like, Jesus who, right? Because our world's gone crazy. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But with that being said, like we, we had this awareness of who he is, but it could have just been stories that people told us. So God wanted to make it very personal to us. And so he has to reveal himself to us. It's got to become more than just a story. It has to be the person of Jesus. It, he is the very person. It's his lifeblood all throughout the Bible, right? He's the one that, that, that it's all about. And so it really comes down to a question of who is God to us? Like it, it really breaks it down to the crown is nothing more of asking a question. It's who is God to you? And so who was God to the disciples and who was he to the Israelites? And so God wants to know him in an intimate way. He wants us um, to not just reference him, but he wants to be there in the big moments of your life. He wants us to be, he wants us to go to him when we have needs and difficult moments, when we need something from him, but he also wants to know the joy-filled moments, right? When we're when we have joy. I often have people ask me, like, if God truly knows everything, and he does, he's omniscient, right? He knows knows it all, then why do we have to pray to them him? Why do why do why do we have to tell him? And I always kind of explain it like this. Um if you've ever had a kid, you've went and asked your kids questions you know the answer to, right? And I'm not talking about like squinted eye, like are you going to lie to me today? Like what are we doing today? Like I ain't talking about that. Like you've asked them questions because you know like the answer, but sometimes it's that we just want to experience what they're experiencing through their eyes, 
right? Any parents ever did that? And you want to know, like, how are you processing it? Like, like, what does this feel like to you? That's exactly how God does to us. He wants, it's not that he doesn't know. Trust me, he knows everything. He just wants to experience it through our eyes because that's what an intimate relationship is, right? I promise you if I never asked my wife how her day was and truly mean it and get into, like, the weeds of conversations of how she feels, then we're probably not going to be married very long, right? Or not, at least not have a deep relationship. And so that's what God did whenever he was revealing himself to them as he wanted to be in the big moments and wanted to be involved. So he wants to know all of the things about us because he wants us to understand the authority that we have in the earth. We are kings and queens and we walk in authority. But what's happened is I feel, and it's not me being negative towards the church, is that we've kind of lost their identity right? Good God has this world lost its identity. We don't even know where to go use the bathroom anymore. Like I kind of scratched my head at it and you all can smile, smile at me. It's okay. Well, you don't go to prison for saying that yet with the microphone. But the thing of it is, (laughs) anyway, we'll edit that out for the internet. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I told you it's dangerous when they hand me the microphone, but but we, we truly don't because the crown comes back to the point that it's an identity. It's, it's what we are. It's who we are. And so we have to understand this and we have to get this. This tension of the crown is understanding not just like who we are, but what we are, right? It's understanding the authority. And God wanted us to understand that authority. He said, like in the Bible, it says that all authority was given to Jesus, Right? All authority in heaven and earth was given to Jesus. And then the Bible goes on to tell me that I'm a joint heir with Christ. So if I'm a joint heir, Jesus and I are like peanut butter and jelly, right? Although I hate jelly. I'm a peanut butter and bread. So we're going to go with that. We're like peanut butter and bread, right? Because the whole thing of it is is that, that like we're joint heirs. So that means like if he gets it, I get it, right? So the authority trickles down. So here's what I need us to understand today. As we talk about this, I'm going at this in the in the process of you kind of already understand that you are a king, that you get this concept. I feel like for the past couple of weeks, we've kind of taught you about it. If you're just joining us, and this is week one for you, go back on the podcast and listen to one and two. I promise you it is life-changing. You won't regret checking this out. But with that going forward, I want us to understand that we have to get that we are like kings and queens. So with that being said, it has to go so much deeper than a character in a book, right? It has to be deep for us because he wants us to understand that we are royalty. And with royalty, it means that we have battles, right? And we have needs. So God wants to reveal himself to us, and he does through our needs and our battles. So we're going to talk about that today because Jesus did this in the Bible. It's how he revealed himself to the disciples and the Israelites and he does it to us today. There's a popular worship song right now that I love. We've sang it a few times, and it says, um, I may not face Goliath, but I have my own giants. How many of you feel like you have a giant in your life? Oh, only three of you. God, you all are the holy group. Well, I have many giants in my life, so you all pray for me as I pray for you. But Seriously, like we have these things and we have these battles. And so it's such a powerful lyric to a song, but it is so true because each and every one of us probably has something that we're facing. You just don't want to raise your hand. So with our needs is that God wants to come in and reveal himself to us through our needs. So we're going to learn some more Hebrew. Everybody say uh, Jehovah Rapha. 
healer. Look at you. You are doing so good. All right, don't get low on me. Say it strong, loud and proud. Then say Jehovah Jireh, provider. Look at you. You're such a good class. Um, It's awesome because you may have heard those words if you've been around church for a while, but that's what God wants to reveal himself to us because he wants to build our trust in him. I have a quick story for you. We're going to read real quick. It comes from Exodus 15, 22 through 26, and it says, Shortly after the Israelites reached the other side of the Red Sea, they began their journey to the Promised Land. To get there, they had to go through the desert of Shur. After traveling three days in the desert without finding water, they came to a place called Myra that had pools of water. However, the water was so bitter that the people could not drink it. They complained to Moses, and he turned and cried out to God, who provided a solution. God directed Moses to throw a large piece of wood into the water, and the water then became sweet and drinkable. I want to talk about this for a second because in this is really cool because in this story, he became... Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rapha. He healed the water as well as he provided them clean drinking water and sweet water. But did you catch the part there where it said that they complained to him and he had to go to Jesus or had to go to to God and kind of like go to him with their need? And we're going to talk about that for a second. But this is where the tension of the crown comes in. I'm going to try to bring this out a couple more times in our stories because could you imagine what a relationship you have to have with God to go to God and be like, hey, God, this is Moses, and this water, we're here, and we're about to die of thirst, and we can't drink this. Like, like what's up, right? You know, because that's kind of how I talk to God. And then him saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to throw the dirty piece of wood in there, right? I mean, stuff to think about, especially us, because we're over-sanitized as people anyway, but be like, wait, hold on, you, want me, you want me to what? You want me to put the dirty wood in the water? This is going to work, Right. Can you think about how weird and crazy that would be? And I bring that up because we, the church world today, we are so afraid of being weird. Are we not? It's time that the church got a little weird, don't you think? Like, I mean, the world's weird. I promise you, I just came back from Disney World. The world is weird. And it wasn't the characters I'm talking about. It wasn't the paid people. It was the people paying to be there. Well, I just sat there and scratched my head at some of it because I'm like, that is how did you? Anyway, we're not even going to go there. I love to people watch. It's a thing. So, so as we're there, and I'm like, this crazy world, but we're the church. We're like, well, we just don't want to make it weird. It's time to make it weird for some people. It really is because... I don't think that you can read the Bible and read all the stuff that went on and be like, you know, just be okay with today. But anyway, so that's the thing. So the cool part about this is for the Israelites, he became Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Jireh. He provided, but here's what he did, which is so cool. He didn't just make it clean, drinkable water. He made it sweet. Is that not so cool? Because I promise you, my God does not just like take things back to what it was, to baseline, because he can't do that. He's got to make it so much better. Amen. Has God ever done something to you that just like blew your mind? It's like, oh, the cherry on top, right? Because that's how awesome he is. And that's what he wants to do. He becomes, he becomes real to us in those moments. When he begins to reveal himself to us, he makes it real. He becomes so much bigger than a storybook Jesus, so, so bigger than like the, the, you know, like when you're in children's church or VBS and the answer is always like, Jesus, he, he's 
he becomes real. He becomes the king, and he wants us to know his nature and to experience him. One of the scriptures that you, most people really memorize is um, Proverbs 3 through 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Man, we can quote that all day long, right? And it sounds so pretty when you say it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. How many do it? How many of you actually have like went out on your own understanding? Raise your hand. Join the class. All three of you, thank you. Yes, I have, and it's terrible, right? Because I promise you, God is way better at being God than I am. We can quote it, and we can think that we trust him. But man, until you experience him. I think I've shared the story like one of the other times that I've preached, but her oldest daughter, and not throwing her under the bus, but when you're a pastor's kid, you know all your junk is laid out on a stage in front of thousands of people. It's awesome. It's a great gig. You should pray for that. But anyway, <laughs> as she sinks down. But anyway, she went crazy for a couple of years. It's like really bad crazy. Like I like want to send you to boarding school crazy. But she's redeemed now. He fixed it. It's awesome. So it's that's what God does, yes. Super proud of her. And you say, why'd you throw her under the bus? Because here's the cool part is when he redeems it, like she is a way cooler kid now than she ever was. Like I like her way more now than I did before she went crazy. Which is funny. And we say that jokingly, but I mean it. Like, seriously, he didn't just, like, redeem it back to what it was. Like, he adds to it because that's what God does. And so it's so cool and such an awesome thing. But, but when we were going through that, man, I thought I trusted God. I really did. Like, I'd been a pastor for, like, 100 years or something at that point. I was like, I got this, you know. Like, But then whenever you have to take the most precious thing to you, and be like, okay, God, like I dedicated her to you, but now I like have to sit it here and walk away and let you take care of it. Dude, that's a hard day. Like it's a hard day to walk up to your kid and be like, hey, we're done. Like if you want to live that, you got to go do it somewhere else. Like peace out. And you walk away thinking, dear God, I pray that you have her. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a trust like no like nobody else, right? That's a trust of like if God doesn't make this water drinkable, we're going to die. Like there's a difference, right? And it, you have to get this need, right? Desperation has a sound. And, and it comes like from deep down in whenever you're wailing and crying out to God, like I really need you to show up, right? Because right now it's hard to feel the crown, but guess what crown is? We talked about it. it's a surrounding, right? It's not this thing on your head. You have to get to the place that you're surrounded by him and that you know what he has said about you and to you. It's so much deeper. And I pray that I can communicate this to you today because it's such a big deal. So, all right, so let's jump back to her story. If you remember um, in the story, we talked about they complained to Moses, right? I tried to stress it to you whenever I read it. So, <laughs> in, so here's why I said it. When needs arose in the camp, the people usually went and complained to Moses. And then Psalm 22, 3, the Bible says, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, right? So in ancient Jewish wisdom, and, and we study this because... Jesus was a Jew, newsflash. And so it was, the Bible was written from a Hebrew Jewish perspective. So sometimes you have to go and just learn their culture. So in their culture, they believed that if the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, then the enemy inhabits our complaints. Ooh. So I have to ask you a question. Who have you invited into your life? Hmm. 
Ouch, right? But the thing of it is, is you have to get to the crown is a surrounding. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you, you know, experiencing like awesome things because you're, you're allowing God to be your surrounding? Or have you complained and you're bitter and you're upset all the time and nothing seems to work out for you because you've kind of tossed the crown to the side, right? Because the crown is a surrounding. I'm trying to get you to understand this because when needs arise, man, we got to take him to the source, He's waiting on you. I think I've done a decent job of trying to get you to understand. Like, he wants to reveal himself to you, but you have to be there and look for it, right? The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, it says, He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. Ephesians 3.20. Such a powerful thing. And so, with that, you, when we have needs, we have to take them to him. We have to get this. So, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Psalm 2.8. It says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the end of the earth for your possession. I want you to stop and think about this. One, I shared the scripture because it says ask, right? The Bible says, ask of me. If you need something, ask of me, and I will give you the nations. Man, if you don't read that scripture and understand your royalty, you probably will never get it. I mean, he said, ask of me, I'll give you the nations. He's basically saying, I'll give you the world, it is yours, and the end of the earth for your possession. You own it. You have dominion over it because you are joint heirs with me. But all you got to do is ask, right? Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. So we have to understand that when we're between the times of deliverance and provision, whenever he's not yet our Jehovah Rapha, right, our healer, that we have to go and ask. When the doctor gives you the big C word, cancer, right, we have to go get to the point that we say, you know what, this is not it. Like, this is not how this is going to go because I have dominion, right? We have to go to him and say, what am I, the, we have to pray like Jesus. He said, on earth as it is in heaven. We got to go to him and be like, no, not, not today. Uh-uh. Like on, in earth as it is in heaven, in my body as it is in heaven, which is healing, right? We need a church that rises up and says, this is not going to happen because that's how God does. So the other way that God reveals himself to the Israelites is through their battles. Everybody say battles. I love it. All right, now say Jehovah Nisi, banner. He's their banner. You guys are so good at this. All right, so I have some scriptures to read you, but I have to give you a disclaimer. So as I was studying this, I keep getting tongue-tied on the words, all right? I promise you I went to to ministry school. I've said this word a hundred times, but I cannot get it out. So I'm just giving you a disclaimer that if I goof it up, everybody thumbs up, we got it, we know it. So here we go. We're going to try to get through this. So the story is when Joshua, the battle between Joshua and um, the word will not come out. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Amicalites, not Amicalites. What is it? Somebody say, Amalekites. He should have the microphone. That's the word. Am, am, Amalek. So Amicalites. Ah, it won't come out. We're going to skip the word. <laughs> I knew I'd get up here. I told Ashley, I said, I, so I'd have her say it and I'd say it. I was like, Mm-mm, when I take the microphone, it will not come out. And here we are. All right. So that, um, those people, those people, everybody's with me now. All right. So, <laughs> So they rose up against Joshua at um, a place that I'm not going to pronounce because words aren't coming out. And so the Israelites went to their caregiver, Moses, and Joshua and said, hey, Joshua said, I need you to choose some guys to go out into battle, right? So as he was choosing the guys to go out and fight those people, 
See, everyone's with me. You got it. <laughs> he said, I need you to fight them. I want you to go up on the on, So Joshua and Moses went up on the hill. And what was happening was as long as Moses could hold his hands up, the Israelites would fight and win against those people, right? But if his hands started to fall, then those people would begin winning. The really fun word that Pastor Chad can say, and I can't. So whenever they would hold up the people, so here's what they did. They said, let's get a rock. So they put a rock and they put Moses on it. And then Joshua and her held up the arms of Moses so that they would win the battle. So one of the coolest things that, <laughs> that I've learned in, in reading this story and watching this is that we are royals and we battle from a place of victory, not for victory. Right? But catch this in the story because it's real easy to miss. Whenever his hands were up, they'd win. When they would fall, they would begin to lose because of the surroundings. Right? When their hands are up, it's a sign of surrender. Right? I love the song we sang earlier. It was not planned, but it was like, their hands surrendered. Whenever you surrender or somebody's got a gun, what happens? Most of the time, I'm like, don't shoot, don't shoot. I'm too pretty to die, right? You know, that's usually what flies out of my mouth. But we're sitting there, arms up. But what happens is we surrender, and people usually what? Surround us. If you watch those shows on television that you shouldn't watch like I do, then, you know, you know their hand goes up, and then a SWAT team surrounds them, right? They're surrounded. So the cool part about it is, is that as long as Moses was up and his arms was up, he was surrounded by the presence of God. They would win, do you understand the presence, the crowning is us having a surrounding of God? That is really, really good stuff. That is so awesome to know that when it gets crazy, we can pop on some worship music, we can surrender, and then the atmosphere changes. Our situation begins to change because we are crowned by God. Amen. So cool. All right. So many of people ask, like, why do we have to go through hard times? Why do we have to battle if all this is, you know, if all this is, if we're crowned, if we're truly royalty? Well, the answer is, well, because of sin, right? There's still sin. And so we have a lot of lost territory as the church and as people. We've lost a lot of territory. And so there is an old kid's song, and some of you that might be my age or longer may have remember singing it, but it said, I went back to the enemy's camp to steal back, or I went to the enemy's camp to steal back what he stole from us. How many of you remember that? Because that's you old school, my people. Yes, it's so cool. But it was really like this short song, but it was extremely powerful because a lot of us have some territory in our life that we've lost, right? You have some situations in your life where the enemy stole, and maybe it was a lost job maybe a failed business, maybe some crazy stuff that was going on. But I promise you today that Jesus can take back the territory. I've read you t tons of stories where he has taken back the territory. He has it covered, amen. We got this, but you have to what? You have to surrender and put that crown on because that's who he is. We got to put on the armor and go to battle because it is such a... It's such a cool no idea to know that we battle from victory, not for victory. It's already been won. So I love this. So let's talk about what was going on at um, Passover. And so the Lord positioned them to go against Egypt after Passover, right? So we know that. So do you remember at the beginning where we were talking about the tension of 
the crown. It's like, you know, a lot of us, we love the Savior part. Like, Jesus saved me so I don't go to Hades, right? And we love that. I love that part of it. But then we, that's like a baby Christian. That's like step one, okay? Step two is whenever we make him the Lord of lords and the King of kings of our life, right? We put him on the throne in our heart, and he gets to make the decisions for our life, the majestic crown Jesus. And some of that's hard to swallow, and it's, it really is. Like, it's hard sometimes whenever it's like, God, I'm going to let you, like, save me. But it's different whenever it's like, I'm going to let you tell me where to live. I'm going to let you tell me where to work and who to be friends with and who's not to be friends with, right? And sometimes it may feel crazy. So people have oftentimes joked with us that we're crazy. And we are because a long, long time ago, I told Jesus, Lord, if you send me, I'll go. And I meant it. And so a lot of times people think that like, because we move every five minutes that we're insane, but most of them, well, all of them except one has been Jesus. But I want to tell you a quick story is um, when you do this, sometimes it can, it can feel weird, right? Like we talked about that with Moses. When we were moving to Chicago, um, we had little kids, and we've always lived in West Virginia at this point. So moving to the third largest city in the nation was kind of a big deal. And so we were praying about it, and the Lord loves to be in the details of our life, right? So at that time, I worked as a respiratory therapist. And uh, if you know me, I really like Starbucks. So I was at Starbucks when this happened. So again, it's a detail. God loves details. And so we'd been praying, and someone had given us a word. They said, you know, they called me and they said, I know you're praying about Chicago all this. God wants me to tell you it's a faith walk, right? So it's just like, it's a faith walk. I'm like, duh. You know, so have you ever gotten those words and you're just mad when you hang up? Like, duh. You know what I mean? Like, I knew that before you called, but I was like, okay. So I blew it off. Went on. So I'm in Starbucks and I have on like scrubs, a stethoscope, looked like a nurse, was poor therapist. This dude walked in in a Chicago um, shirt, like Cubs or White Sox. I don't remember. It was a hundred years ago. And so he walks in and I'm like, ordering my coffee? And he's like, oh, you're a youth pastor. And I'm like, I am a youth pastor because at the time I was and the position I was praying about taking was a full-time youth pastor position. And so he was like, oh, yeah, God wanted me to tell you it's a faith walk. And you're sitting there like, you know, once I picked my jaw up off the ground, it's like, oh, so then I couldn't be mad about the word on the front. You know what I mean? You're, you kind of eat crow at that moment. You're like, oh. So it was crazy, though, because after that, like, we're like, okay, so I call Ashley. But I had this patient that lived in, like, the boonies. It, we lived in Huntington at the time. And, like, literally, and I'm not joking, his driveway was a four-wheeler path. It was, like, over the mountains and through the woods to grandmother's house we go to get to his house. And so um, after I saw Chicago dude. Um, that day I had to go see this patient and I always planned my day because it was very terrible and I'd have to go home and shower afterwards, change scrubs. It was a thing. So I came back and as I was pulling off of his road, I passed a car and no one lived up there. He pulled out in front of me as I was pulling in in a Illinois license plate. And I'm like, at this point, it's like a billboard, right? And so you say, why do you tell me this story? Because God loves the details of our life, and sometimes it's really hard to let him be that God to us, to lead us and guide us. But I promise you, it, he can do it. It can be hard, but it's sometimes in a moment where we let him kind of take over and tell us, where do we go? What do we do? Like, where do we go? And I tell you that story because I want to give you a biblical reference of sometimes God has to give us that. So we're at the point in the story where... Um, 
the Israelites are leaving Egypt. And so what was happening is the Bible says that he was leading them by a cloud by day and fire by night, which is just cool at that point. Have you guys ever stopped and thought, like, why doesn't God do that stuff for us now? Did God change or did we? I'll leave that there. That's for the 11 o'clock service. That's not you all. But anyway, so... The part of it is, is that like he was leading him. It was the billboard moments as, as I've had, right? When you actually say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. So after Passover, they were kind of like backed in a corner. God had kind of led them to a place that it didn't make any sense. And this is really fun, so I want, want you guys to get this. So listen up. To the left of them, if they would have went to the left, they would have went into Philistine territory, right? Because again, when we battle, we battle for territory, right? So they would have had an enemy to the left of them and an enemy to behind them because the, the, Egypt, you know, the Egyptians were still chasing them, right? So this is a really cool moment because to the left, they had an enemy to the back. Have you guys ever felt like you've had an enemy chasing you from the back and one in the, in the front? Have you ever been in that moment? But here's the funny part is sometimes, how many of you have ever made the mess? Like, have, have you like God's get or life's given you a mess and then you choose to do it your way, right? And then you make a mess, so your mess has got a mess, right? And you just feel like you're by all the time, but you if you hadn't made the mess, just me. But yeah, so that's kind of where they're at. They're like in this mess. Uh, so ahead of them, if they went ahead, there was no nothing and no obstacles, none. So smart people would be like, choose that, answer B, right? But it wasn't because the Egyptians wouldn't have had any obstacles either. So they'd have been chased their entire life. And who wants to be chased their entire life? We had a, a funny moment this past week, we went to Disney, and we have a timeshare, so it was time for owner's update, and so we had to go and sit in, like, the cold office and for them to try to sell me something, and then they tell you it's an hour and three days later when you're famished, and your kids have called you 77 times so you can have vacation, right? Nobody's ever been there, so we're in that part, and so this dude's like, so we go in, and the salesman's, like, um, talking to us, and he asked me what I did. I said, I'm a pastor, and then it's like a counseling session for now. I'm kidding. It wasn't, but he did share with me a story. So, he shared with Ashley and he said, hey, you know, like we're not religious, but a few weeks ago we were talking and we figured out that like the past three or four generations of our family has um, gotten divorced to their first spouse and had a kid, but our second one's lasted. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool that you like figured that. So we celebrated that the second one, you know, lasts all that. But he was like, it just feels like that's chasing our lives. And I was like, Oh, my God, it is. And so what he was communicating is we don't really know how to fix it, right? But it continues to happen. Now, us who's been to church for 100 years, we'd be like, that's a generational curse, right? And it, it truly is something. But the, pro, the cool part is, is if they would stop and pick up their crown and change their surrounding, they could be like this. And I'm the one where this stops, right? This stops with my generation. And, and it's so... Such a, you know, you know, it's such a cool thing that he realized that I was like, wow, you're really further. But he's communicating that, man, I'm back, we're backed in a corner and we have some, something chasing us their entire life and no one wants to be chased. So the Israelites were at this part where they're like, to the left is the Philistines, we're being chased. Behind us, we're kind of stuck. But to the right of them is the Red Sea. 
Now, many people probably wouldn't look at a Red Sea at the ocean and be like, let's take that route, right? But here's the cool thing that happened, and I promise I'm ending. If the worship team wants to kind of get ready, we, we should try to land the plane in just a few minutes. But we're here, and the, the Israelites are there, and God opens up the ocean for them. And so they decide, let's walk through. And it's really cool because theologians have said, hey, um, for them to have gotten through, he, made, he basically had to make it almost like walking on concrete. There was nothing with sludge, and they got through pretty quick. So when the Egyptians came in, the God of the universe turned the ocean that had been walled up and let it close in on them, and their enemies were destroyed. And so we think, why did you tell me this gory story? I told you this because when we are in the right position and we let God lead us, even when it looks insane and crazy, I promise you it will be for your good and he will utterly destroy your enemies. And the battle is already fixed. You've won. It's battling from a place of victory, not for victory. Right? And so a quick little story, since we're talking about that. So ancient Jewish wisdom. This is a story where the Jews actually use this in reference to baptism. So shameless baptism plug. So next week when they, they do it because every time they get baptized, then they get baptized a minimum of three times a year. It's showing that God will destroy their enemies. So next week when you guys start to get baptized, it's not just you being raised to new life. It's also showing that, man, I am crowned. I am changed. No enemy has authority over me. That's some powerful stuff. That's so awesome. So you may say, like, what are we battling? What is, there, what is, what is the enemies in our life? I mean, it's whatever we put before God. It's like the greed, the, the, the stuff that we have, the, the lust, the, the craziness that happens in our life, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that crazy stuff. I say that jokingly, but it is. It's the stuff that sneaks into our life because the enemy is good, guys. Stop and think about this. Why do you think right now that everyone is, is so confused about everything? Why do you think everybody's getting canceled? Like the cancel culture, it, it makes me so livid because the church, we're known for eating your own, right? Like, you, oh, you have a pastor go down. We are on them. We crucify them upside down. We restoration. God can only restore me. He can't do them. They're a pastor and all this crazy. That junk is so garbage. Because my God, when I read, his word can restore anything. And he can fix any situation. Nothing is too hard for him. And so the cancel culture, the ever, we don't even know where to PP anymore. Like all that is the enemy. It's nothing but the enemy trying to take our, our, our crown off and put us in this lost state. I can't even talk now. I'm so passionate about it. And you say, so how does this relate to battling? Because when we defeat the enemy, when we win, when he crushes them, man, we serve a victorious king and it makes us victorious. But here's what's happened. When a victorious king would win, they would take the robe off of the losing kings and they would sew it onto theirs. So you have a king that once they win a couple of territories, a couple of battles, their, their robe begins to get longer and longer. And in Isaiah 6, 1, the Bible tells us, in the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
my God, we serve a victorious God. His train fills the temple. And, and it's so, like I just see this picture of, it would fill this entire room and start spilling out into the mid-building because that's the God I serve. And if his robe is that way, and I'm joint heirs with him, that means mine will be that way because I win battle after battle after battle. Right? I was so impressed by um, the Ukrainian president. I think his last name is Zelensky. Again, I'm not good with the names. Not very good. <laughs> Zelensky. But he wasn't okay with losing territory. You know, I think it was like the eastern side of his country to Russia. He was like, give me a gun. Give me a vest. Like, let's do this. Like, he got on the battlefield. He was like, I'm not going to America and take sanction or whatever country was offering him sanction. He's like, no, like, let's do this. Because that's what kings do. They fight battles. They take back territory. So here's what I need you to get as the church. I believe that God is coming back for a victorious church, a strong church, one ready to battle, not one that's broke down and don't understand anything. Like, we're supposed to be strong, right? And so it's not me picking on you. It's kind of me pulling you up. I'm giving you a standard today because we got to step into this. We don't, we don't have the option any longer. I've been around this church since 2013, and, and, you know, I've had a few hiatuses. But anyway, been around since 2013, and nearly every guest speaker that's come has prophesied over this house that we're going to be a house of healing. The people would come from all over the world to get healed here. That's amazing. But here's what has to happen. you got to step up and get surrounded with your crown before we can ever get there. I'm calling you out. <laughs> Because here's the thing. The people out there need us to do it. I referenced Jesus taught us to pray, and he said, pray in this manner, on earth as it is in heaven. I need a church to rise up and say, in White Sulphur Springs as it is in heaven. In Greenbrier County as it is in heaven. In my body as it is in heaven. Amen. Like it's time that we step up and start speaking the name of Jesus with power and authority and change the atmosphere, the surroundings of their area. Guys, it's not this hard. Like we make it so complicated and it's such a simple gospel. When I went to business school, um, I went to Liberty University, so I got to study whatever I wanted, like Christian companies, all that. And I studied mega churches. And I think I've said this last time I preached, but I'm going to tell you again. So most of the time, in, when a mega church that is life-giving or a large church that's life-giving, they're generous, they give to the, to the community, the community starts changing. And stuff like businesses start thriving. And I find it really cool that we came back here after like a five-year hiatus. Whenever we left, like this town was not that awesome. Like every storefront was closed down. And we come back and businesses are popping up everywhere. I think there's like two or three storefronts open. Like uh, an economy around here that's thriving. Do you want to know why? It's because our church is life-giving. And you say, oh, it's because of the Greenbrier. No, that may have been the avenue God used, but it's because of the presence of the surrounding that we created in this town that changed the atmosphere out there. But here's the deal. We're not done. We're not done. We have to step up because the people who's not even darkened the door needs us to step into this surrounding, this crowning that we have to know that, guys, we've won the battle. And when we do this, we'll step into the calling. 
it's there there's no hebrew word for coincidence and recently like our church has been stepping up in faith right it's been like the prayer services are crazy first wednesdays are crazy none of that is a coincidence it's stepping us up for a few weeks when these people come and does the healing conference but all of that is is awesome and it's good and it's 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 lined up but it's lining up for you to step up into knowing who god called you to be stepping into your crown putting it on and walking in authority man you are a king stop living like a pauper you can say i don't feel like a king and a queen but most days i don't feel like a pastor but it doesn't change the fact that i am one and i can't go do whatever i want to right decisions lead and feelings follow we know what we are so with every head bowed every eye closed today man i just want to speak over you you are a king and a queen you are god's favorite you are the apple of his eye he is in every detail of your life and it's one of the most beautiful stories ever but you may have the first step say man i love this i I love to i want to feel like i'm a king i don't even taking care of the the me and jesus part well, I want to give you words to that. And so I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or, or parade you around. All I simply want you to do is if you're hearing you say, man, Pastor Jeremy, I need I need Jesus to come into my life. I need him to come into my heart. I need him to change my life. All I need you to do is I'm just going to count to three. I need you to shoot your hand up and just hold it high for a couple of seconds on one, two, three. Throw it up high. Thank you for that hand in the back. Thank you for another hand in the back. Man, that's the coolest part when, when we go from death to life. So if everybody would, if you're online, say these words with us. Everybody in-house, let's not make them feel, feel alone. Let's say it. Say, awesome God. Thank you for being in the details and for loving me so much. Forgive me of my sins. And help me to step into my crowning and lead my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you give it up for those two hands online? The moderator, let them know if you accepted Christ. Such a cool moment. Guys, for you all, we're going to have our prayer team on the sides if you have needs obviously i hope that i've communicated enough to you that we go to god with their needs but we don't go saying oh if you will we go declaring that it's already done right because we go in victory i just want to say a quick prayer over you i'm gonna get out of the way and let's worship father god right now over these amazing men and women the kings and queens in this room i pray right now in jesus name that you would give them passion and strength oh god that every place they walk into they change the surrounding that they would walk in the authority from heaven and know in Jesus' name that when they speak, heaven moves, that they literally can can change their lives by the thoughts and the words that they say. In Jesus' name, I pray over them. Amen and amen. Let's worship, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.